0: It was four years ago this Sunday that we had our very first service in this facility that God provided. Amen. And uh, I'll tell you, uh, who would have ever thought a small group of people the Lord would be using to be able to plant churches in other countries of the world, to be able to gather together here as a faith family in a beautiful place like we have. And uh, all glory to God, all right? Uh, and that kind of leads me into what we're doing. Well, posted on the middle wall uh, today, this Sunday, for the first time, is uh, the second of our three W statements, and that is what? Walk with Christ. Walk with Christ. Uh, today I'm having us work through that. Today is kind of the biblical theological framework for that. Next Sunday's the pragmatic how we do that here. We're in this series called This is Who We Are, This is What We Do, And um, I'm going to be working through that statement word by word in reverse order. Uh, Here we'll just get started in a couple minutes. So if you're joining with us and you're new here, uh, just maybe even today's your first Sunday. This is week three in a six-week series. Uh, We are coming up in March to our 10-year anniversary as a church. And uh, we're going to be celebrating that month. And uh, this is just a series that is actually designed to lead into that month that's on purpose Um, As I mentioned last Sunday, both biblical history as well as secular history shows this common tendency that blessed people over time have a way of losing their ground in who they are. And uh, we see that especially in the Old Testament and as a reality of that. We don't want to be that kind of people. So what we're doing in these six weeks is an all together, pulling us all together so we're all at the same place. So when we hit into March, it's an all in, all Uh, running, uh, walking for Christ as we press ahead with that. So uh, uh, this is who we are. This is who we are today, walk with Christ. Um, Let me begin with that then. The uh, second statement, walk with Christ, and we'll start with the first word, which is actually the last word in that statement, Christ. Christ. Uh, Christ, uh, that word is a tremendous introduction from last Sunday because our first W is up front of that, and that is what? Worship Worship Christ. So let's talk about that uh, just for a little bit here. Uh, Worshiping Christ, that's our thing. That's what we do here. That's who we are here. And I'll say it this way, as I said the other Sunday, it's a doxology thing. Theological terms, it's a doxology thing. Uh, We are about the glory and the magnifying and the making much and more of Jesus. That's it. That's it. And that is the overarching thing that we are all about here. That is the thing that we are about. Uh, Why be about that? Well, because I talked two Sundays ago kind of for theological core truths out of the scriptures. Number one, we were created for worship. Number two, we are destined for worship. Those who know Christ as our Savior. Number three, we are surrounded by worship. And point number four is we are invited to worship. And Christ has made that provision for that. That's who we are. And then last Sunday we talked about uh, that is what we do here. And how do we do that here? Well, uh, at the very core of who we are, we do that by making much of Scripture. Uh, we are about this because this is what tells us about the Lord. And if we're about the Lord, then we've got to be about this. So we are about making much of Scripture. We don't just, like, refer to it. We don't just suggest it. You're like, this is it. This is what it is about because this is what tells us about our Lord. Uh, we're about Scripture. Also, we're about making much about song. And we went through that and talking about that. We went, are also about much about making of prayer. Uh, said another way, making much of God's Word makes much of God. Makes much of the Lord in song makes, makes much of the Lord. Uh, making much of prayer under the Lord makes much of the Lord. That's what we're about, making much of Christ. So if we're about that... Uh, we need to do that and be that kind of people. And I want for you to know with that, we view Sundays here, just kind of as a leadership, if you want to call it that, at our core DNA, we view Sundays as the f- fuel for you in your life and your week. Uh, as I've heard it said, uh, we want to have after a Sunday, we would love it if there were car doors laying all over our parking lot. What do I mean by that? We want it to be the kind of time where when we come together, make much of Scripture, making much of song, making much of prayer because we want to make much of Christ, we are so fueled up, we are so filled up, we are so fired up that we head out of here and we're so excited to get back into the the reality of life 24-7 even outside of here that literally we are tearing our car doors off our car. We're so excited to get in and go. And so a Sunday where there are car doors laying everywhere would be a sign of that. Lord willing. But that's just kind of the idea here, and I want for you to understand. That's why, and that's how we view our Sundays here. This is not what it's all about. This is part of the fuel for you and us as a people to make much of Christ as we come together Um, And I'll just say there are, there may be things that we do not do well here, and there are things that we don't do well here, but one thing that we need to make more of is Christ. That's the thing. And if we're not making much of, if we're not making more of Christ, then it's time to close shop. It's time to close shop and go somewhere else. That means that we are not here to make much and more of me. Or of you. We're not here to make much and more of staff. We're not here to make much and more of a building, of programs. We are here to make much and more of who? Christ. 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 Doxology is God's thing, and therefore it is our thing. We are here to make much and more of Christ. Next word. With, with. Um, This is actually the word I'm going to spend the most time with here. Um, With is an abiding thing. It's an abiding thing. Uh, The doxology thing is really about an abiding thing. We can't do the doxology thing without an abiding with Christ thing. Let's talk about this. And if we wanted to learn about what it means to abide with Christ, where would we go to learn that? Okay. Okay, one more time all together. Scripture, God's Word. So how about this? How about we go there, grab your copy of God's Word, and let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2, and let's talk about this with. If you don't have a Bible with you today, we're in Ephesians 2. It's page 976, on one of the Bibles behind the seats there. Love having Bibles open. Love hearing those pages turn. Digital folks, just do like. Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. I love that. Abiding with Christ. Abiding with has a beginning. Let me say that again. Abiding with, when it comes to any relationship, always has a beginning to it. If I were to ask you about, hey, tell me the story when you met one of your BFFs, when you met your boyfriend, girlfriend, or when you met a coworker, or when you met your spouse, or anything like that, if I were to ask that question, you would begin to tell me a story about when you met that person. Am I right? Uh, in that story, within that time, it, it would have, it would contain things to it. Well, this was the situation, this is what's going on, and this is how we met. Uh, by the way, that includes and assumes in it that there was a time where you did not have relationship with that person. Correct? Okay? And so, this whole idea of a relationship includes a not with Abiding with has a beginning, and, and let me say it, everyone begins at not with with Christ. Uh, hang with me, that's the bad news. But it's important to understand that. Everyone begins at not with regarding Christ. Uh, Ephesians chapter two verses one through three. That's what it says. Uh, and you were dead. By the way, it's writing it's written to living people. It's people in the church in Ephesus, so it's not like physically dead people. This is talking about spiritually dead. Spiritually dead references the idea of separation from God. And you were dead, it's past tense, so it's not present tense. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once, what? Okay, so the trespasses and sins, it's that idea of sins upon sins. It's not just like oops sins, it's like sins upon sins of it. And by the way, you walked in it. Isn't that interesting in light of our our statement on the wall of walk with Christ? You once walked there, dead, separated. Uh, How do we know that? Keep reading. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we, how many? All. That's not me. No, that, that's not you. No, that's all. That includes me and that includes you. Whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. I got to tell you, if I could take those three verses out of Scripture, I would love to because it's not good news. But it's important news. It's coming to understand that everyone begins it not with relationship with Christ. In fact, we could add to that, uh, Romans chapter 3 verse 10, none is righteous. No, 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 not one. All have turned aside. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin, what is earned out of sin is death. It is separation. Isaiah 59.2, your iniquities have separated you from your God. That's bad news, isn't it? Say bad. Bad news. But here's the cool thing. It doesn't stop there. Because the next thing is that God has made provision for with. But God has made provision for a with relationship. Look at verses 4 through 11 right after stating verses 1 through 3, but God. That's an awesome statement, by the way. Uh, So many of the buts of Scripture are like awesome, okay? And in it, this is one of those, uh, but God, it's telling the situation of everyone is in. It's hopeless. It's sins upon sins, separated from God. That is the reality of it, walking. And it's, hey, it's not just Adam and Eve's fault, by the way. It's not just they blew it and I get, like, their thing. No, 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 it's they blew it, we get their thing. But know this, we walked in it. You walked in it, I've walked in it. And I've loved it. That's the idea of the Greek is you're setting in it, you're walking in it. You, you're not even like not wanting to walk in it. you are in it, and you like it and you love it. And then verse four, "But God." How cool? There's the hero of the story. "But God being rich in mercy." Hey, hurting sins upon sins, spiritually dead people need mercy. And they don't just need a little mercy. They need like a whole pile of it, like rich of it, like tycoon mercy. But God, being a tycoon in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, why would he love us? Even when we were dead in our sins, he made us alive. Choo-choo, choo God like CPR, CPR. He made us alive together with Christ. You see that? You need to under, underline that because it is like with Christ. That's the two words we're on, right? It is with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him. I'd love to be at the Super Bowl game today. One of the guys in our small group is up at the Super Bowl. He's working at it oh, dude, I would love to help him work. Um, That would be a cool seat to have. But I don't have that seat. But know this. If you know Christ is your Savior, you got a seat. And it's not in the back, and it's not stuck away. It's like a seat right there with him. Seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, by grace through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works. You can't earn it, you can't buy it, you can't redo your life, you can't do it by works. So that no one can boast, for we are his workmanship. Man, you bet we are. What a piece of work. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Good works do not save you. Good works do not save you. But good works come after being saved because now we have a chance to please the Lord. And good works, as we'll talk here in a minute, they don't earn our seat even after being redeemed. We get to. In fact, God has prepared him beforehand. Oh, by the way, look at the last statement. That we should what? Walk in them. God has made a provision for with him. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that whosoever believed. Romans 10, 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. Colossians 2, 6, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus as Lord. Colossians 3, 1, if then you have been raised with Christ. 1 John 5, 11 through 12, God has given eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He or she who has the Son has life. And then the bad news, he or she who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Here's the fact of the matter. The Scripture says that everyone begins it not with, but God has made provision for with. And I started by saying, you have a story of when you met someone and then came into relationship with them, not as an acquaintance that you passed by, but I'm talking about someone you're doing relationship with. Do you have a story like that with Christ? where there was a not with and then there becomes a with. The question is not, do you believe there's a God? Even demons know that. The question is not, did you do some spiritual duty or some easy believism action? I'm even going to put this on the table. The question is not even, did you pray some certain prayer? Gentleman in our small group, different gentleman, just told his story this last week about how he prayed the prayer on the back of a track again and again and again and again. But he never knew what it was to have relationship with Christ. And then there came a time where he for real received Christ as his savior. Have you entered into an abiding with Christ relationship? Do you have that story? If you have questions about that story, talk with someone. If you haven't, it's time. It's time to begin a relationship with Christ. And you can do that right now in your seat. Drive the stake in the ground, understanding I am a sinner separated from God, and God, but you have rich and mercy, provided a gift for me, and I want to receive that gift, God. And it's just not about some little statement. It's about a change of life. It's about driving the stake in the ground. I'm headed this way. I want to head this way with Christ. If you don't have that story, pray the Spirit of God would work in you that you would come to have that story. Abiding with Christ has a beginning, and also abiding with Christ has a continuing. By the way, if you're those who are filling in blanks and you're freaked out that I don't have that statement up on the screen of those two, it's all right. Breathe. (laughs) Abiding with Christ has a beginning, and abiding with Christ has a continuing. Turn to the left in your Bibles to John 15. Today we're going to a few passages here. I love this passage, John 15. The context of John 15 is following the Last Supper, so we're close to the crucifixion. John 13, Jesus is washing the disciples' feet. He is saying that one of you, Judas, will betray me. He's also saying that Peter will deny him, and Peter denies that he will deny him. And John 14, Jesus says, Let not your hearts be troubled. What does that mean? That means their hearts are troubled. They don't understand what's going on. That gives me hope. He says, I will not leave you as orphans, but the Spirit will come. And not only will He be next to you, He will be in you. He says in John 14, I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. Christ is the door to the Father. John 15 then continues this conversation. Verse 1, I am the vine My father is the vine dresser and then every branch. There's three pieces in this illustration. There's the vine, there's the vine dresser, and there's the branch. I don't have time to go into all the details of it all. But before I go any further, I just want to say this. What I'm about to read in John 15... I, I understand to be speaking to those who are in relationship with Christ. This is actually in the context not directed at those who are not in Christ. Because we oftentimes read it as though it's directed to those not in Christ. And we get some wrong understanding of what it's saying out of that. But he's talking to the disciples here. The disciples who I understand would be in relationship with Christ. And he's talking with them. By the way, I would encourage you to go back and uh, I have it down here. August 17, 2014, Pastor Rob Basosa, down south, a great friend of mine was here. Uh, August 17, 2014, he preached living as if out of John 15. It's online if you want to go there. August of 2014, living as if. I'm going to include a couple things he said in here. Uh, uh, let me go to verse 4 and begin uh, what Jesus says here. Abide in me. And I in you. You know, we forget the last part there. It's a promise, it's an invitation built out of a promise. Abide in me, I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Got the picture? A vine, a tree trunk, we'll call it in kind of this part of the world. It's like a tree trunk that's there, and then the branches, like in, are, are, when a person comes to Christ, they are grafted into the vine, into Jesus Christ. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Think about it. So what does the branch do? The branch is just like connected. What does the branch do? If the branch wants to do their own thing on their own, in other words, cut themselves off from the the biting in the vine, what's going to happen? That branch just dies and, and withers away. It doesn't produce leaf. It doesn't produce fruit. Why? Because the branch gets all of its everything from the grafted from the vine, right? And so the thing is, is we get so fussed up all about the leaves and the fruit producing. And if I can illustrate this, I'm the branch. This is connected in. This is really darky. But if I'm the branch and we get so consumed with all this that we forget about what's happening here. And if we're not connected here, nothing's happening here, right? right. Man, in our culture, we're so all about just like producing and who can produce more. If I can say this stop it. Stop it. We get so caught up in out here, how big our church is, how big this is, how much impact I'm having, and can I number it and stack it, and blah, blah, blah. The focus is back here. This is what it's all about. Stop being so stupid. And I'm talking to me as well. Jesus is saying it's all about the vine. If anyone does not abide in me, he, she is thrown away like a branch and withers. The branches are gathered, thrown into the fire. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you by this. My Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to my, be my disciples. That's where we get off. We don't understand that word well. I'm cranked up out of breath. Verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Maybe you had a bad week, like a bad week in relationship with the Lord. Know this. You are loved. No, I couldn't be. No, stop it. You are loved. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. No, 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 we work for it. If you keep my commandments, you abide in my love. See, Doug, there it proves it. We work for it. No, no. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Do you see what's going on here? Let me read the last verse. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be complete and that your joy may be full. Listen friends, here's the point of it all. As we come down to this, we have a problem in our thinking. We tend to think that obedience maintains or obtains relationship. That's, listen, we tend to think that. And the problem is, is we make Jesus think like how we think. Uh, Pastor Nick had prayed that in his prayer. We tend to think that he is like us. But the fact of the matter is, he's got it perfect. And we tend to live by performance-generated love. That when you do what's right, then I will love you. You know what I'm talking about? We just go there. It's performance-based love and performance-based relationship. Friends, that makes Jesus just like you and I, and we cannot do that. And that's what he's trying to do here. He's trying to blow out the whole idea of what's going on here. He loves you not because of what you do or what you provide. He loves you because he loves you. And because he is great. That's why he loves us. And then we tend to picture out of this idea that we obtain and maintain relationship with God uh, by our actions, that out of that, then we picture God as this irritated being, constantly looking over us like he's so, just like, you guys make me so irritated. I mean, you're just like, when are you ever going to get it? Like, Why am I even doing this? It's just you fall and you fail again and again and again and again and again. Oh, you irritate me. And I will bet every one of us struggle with that view of God. Am I right? That is the wrong view of God, the God of the Bible. Instead, we're to think Ephesians chapter 2. Yes. I am in a peck of trouble because of sin, but God. And upon receiving the gift of the work of Christ that He did for me, are you kidding me? Not only am I His, I am seated with, raised with, held by. Boom! Thank you. John 15, Jesus is not saying, obey me, then I will love you. Listen, to John 14, when he says, if you obey my commands, uh, uh, how does it go? It, yeah, if you love me, you will obey my commands. We say it with that tone. That's not the tone as Pastor Rob talked about. The tone is, if you love me, you will obey. Let me say that again. <laughs> if you love me you will increasingly obey. It's an invitation to love the Lord. It's not a fear statement. It's a, as you come to me and abide with me and retain connection with me and love in me, I will tell you, you will come to love what I love. Increasingly so. That's just true when we are around people, we come to like what they like. You will come to love what I love, and you will come to live for what I live for. The key is abiding with, remaining with, living in. And it's so cool. Jesus promised his presence in the midst of their confusion. And he promises his presence in ours as well. Think Ephesians 2. Think John 15. And just quickly, three images, the vine and the branch. Just picture it. One more, turn to the left to Luke chapter 10. The vine and the branch, and here's another picture. Many of you will understand it once I say these two words. Martha, Martha. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you'll see here in just a second. Luke chapter 10. Let me begin reading. We're in this idea of of with Christ has a continuing reality. It begins and it continues. Verse 38. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him to her house. And she had a sister called Mary. This is not Mary, Jesus' mom. This is another Mary. So there's Martha and there's Mary. Mary. Uh, And a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. By the way, if you have someone over to your house, it's like really cool to work hard, to provide a nice place for them, isn't it? That's a big deal for Karen and me. And just, and when they come, and we want for you just to have a, 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 just a time there. And, and so there's a lot of work that goes in before when anyone comes over. True, in your household as well. And with that, and there's work, nothing's wrong with work. In fact, by the way, if I remember right, that's like a third W. We're getting ahead. And that's important, and that matters in it all. And she's not doing something like real evil. <laughs> She's doing something that we all do. I get Martha. I am a Martha. But Martha was distracted by much serving, and she went up to Jesus and said, (laughs) I love this, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Hey, listen, is that not irritating when you are working, 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 and then there's, like, doing something, and then there's, like, someone literally just sitting there, <laughs> right? I get Martha, and then he's, then she's, like, not only saying that, tell her then to help me. <laughs> you go, girl. Verse 41, but the Lord answer her. There's so many ways to read this inflection. (laughs) Martha, Martha. I don't think that's the way it was, but it's said twice. He is grabbing her attention. Martha, Martha, look at me. You are anxious and troubled about many things. That's the heart issue. Serving is not wrong. But you are anxious and you are troubled about many things. Just stop it, Martha. But one thing is necessary. This is a doxology thing. And Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Hey, friends, even though we're on walk, there are sometimes just stop and abide. Because the doxology thing is an abiding thing, but the abiding thing does not take out the doxology thing. The doxology thing is always the front and over thing, everything falls after that, including the abiding thing and the working thing. Mary, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Find in the branch. Martha, Martha, and then last image, and we'll come to our last word. Image number three, a big hand holding onto a little hand. We'll come back to that in just a second. Because that picture leads us into our third word, which is the first word, which is what? Walk. Let's just talk about walk for just a couple minutes. Walk is an advancing thing an advancing thing. We just left the reality of Mary and Martha. And it could, we could get this idea that Jesus is saying, just sit and do nothing and just sit. But In that situation, Martha needed to for a while to abide. But in it, there is also in Scripture this advancing thing takes place. It's walking with Christ. It's not a stationary thing. It's an advancing thing. The doxology thing is an abiding thing that has an advancing thing. Turn to Colossians 2, our last passage. Colossians 2. By the way, do not go legalistic on me right now and forget everything we just talked about. Because there is the tendency for us to do that right now. And now it's like, oh say, oh, so now we earn it." No, 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 no. Out of the overflow of abiding, we do. Walking is an overflow of abiding. Walking. Is an overflow of abiding. Walking follows with Christ. It comes out of with Christ. Therefore, Colossians 2, verse 6 and 7, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, there's a beginning, so walk in him, there's a continuing. That's what abiding is. Right there. That's the gospel in one verse. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. But then it's so cool. It gives a little bit of description of that. Uh, I'm such a visual person. Jesus gave verse 7 for people like me. What does it mean to walk in him? It means rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Four quick things here as this is talking about. Number one, walk is present active imperative. I forgot to mention that. Present active imperative. That's the thrust of the verse is what's going on here. Walk is a present active imperative. It means it presently, actively, and and, and not a suggestion. It's an imperative. It's a command. And you must continually walk is the idea. There's an ongoing movement to it. Again, don't go legalistic on me. This is an overflow of abiding. Okay? Walk. It's not talking. It's not standing. It's not sitting. It's not snoozing. It's not watching. It's not running. Scripture does make reference to running associated with the Christian life, but every time it makes association of it, it is used as an illustration of a character trait of walking. Like the Scriptures say... um, Uh, don't be like one running aimlessly. It's an illustration. Running describes the aimlessly. Run like someone winning the prize. Uh, Honestly, who's walking to win a prize? I I mean, I know they have that in the Olympics, but seriously, (laughs) they're running. Come on. Uh, Okay, And, and in it, it's like you say, don't walk aimlessly. That doesn't prove the point. It's not about the running. The main trait of Scripture giving us the picture of what it looks like someone in Christ is someone who is walking, someone who is advancing, moving along. And I'm so glad that that's the picture because it's a walking thing. Abiding is a walking reality. And it gives four pictures here. Increasingly rooted. That's an agriculture picture. Rooted. And that's so Mark chapter 4. Uh, in the first half of that, being rooted, the fourth soil is, receives the word. And the soil puts who it is into the seed. And the seed begins, the, the word of God, Christ, the seed begins to put root out. And now here it's using an illustration like we are the ones who are planted. And our roots grow. Roots don't grow very fast. do they? For those of you who uh, know plants really well, they don't grow fast. They grow slowly. Like roots walk. Roots don't run. They walk in their growth. And they're to be rooted and they're to be planted. By the way, rooted in what? See in the text? Rooted in Christ. Love that. It's like uh, not not just with, but abiding with means deeper and deeper back to my illustration the dark illustration with the things out here and this is the branch being tied into the vine it's it's deeper and deeper there as that gets more and more developed it's drawing more and more from the vine the branch gets stronger why because of what's happening right here in this point that's the key all of this is the result of that all right we get caught up in that, this is the root, rooted in the vine, if you will, increasingly so. Also, increasingly built up. That's an agricultural builder, uh, idea. It's a picture of building that's being constructed. Built up in what? Built up in who? Built up in Christ. Built up, rooted in, third thing, increasingly established, Rooted, built up, established in. It means secured in. In what? In the faith that you were taught. What's going on here is my, my establishing, rooting, building up, securing myself in the vine in Christ is a key part of that is my growth in understanding the faith and what goes on. In other words, it's not just Mary sitting there going, ah, your presence. If you go back to Luke chapter 10, you find out that Mary is sitting learning. And I think that's what the established idea has here. Continually establishing that, and then the fourth thing, abounding, and I love that, overflowing in it, excelling in it, rich in, rich in what, rich in thankfulness. Ouch! Have you noticed we live in a really mad world? Like, really mad. And before we get too self-righteous I don't know what's going on but it just seems to me like Christians in our world are getting equally mad. And a mad, mad, mad world needs thankfulness. Not as just a nice trait, but as a reality. Because one that is rooted in, one that is being built up in, one that is being established in their understanding of what goes on, even when the storms hit, when the winds blow, and the hail comes flying down, in that they get it. Why are they thankful? They are thankful because the branch is like just grabbing a hold of the vine and hanging on for dear life. And it's like, bring it on, man! Bring it on. I so hope there's not pictures being taken today. (laughs) But out of that, thankfulness shoots out. Because we understand what has been, we understand what is coming, and we understand what is. And we abide in Christ. By the way, I'll note, it's not one of those four things. It's all of those four things. And don't go legalistic on me. There is just a tendency within us to get these kinds of things and go, i got to work on that one. How about this? How about doxology first? How about... We just seek to make much and more of the Lord. That's it. Struggling with anger. Struggling with criticalness. Struggling with porn. Struggling with you fill in the blank. I am all about the external things, putting in place and working on things. But how about this first? How about, you know what? It's just time to start loving the Lord and just being with him and saturated in, abiding with, remaining with. I just need to get to know my Lord again. I just need that. And when I am with him and when I am abiding with him and I'm just like clinging on more and more, my roots will go in. Listen, I'm not gonna be worried about the fruit being produced. That's, that's, that, we'll let the vine take care of that. I'm just right here, and I'm just digging in, and I'm just diving in, and I'm just more. Lord, Lord, just help me, please. I just want to know you more. Just pulling tighter and tighter. How about that? Doug, how do I do that? See, that's where we start going legalistic. Well, you got to wake up. you got to have a quiet time. If you don't have a quiet time by 10 a.m., by the way, I just want to let you know you are not a good Christian. Jesus is not going to love you that day. You know, by the way, if you don't do more than like a, a half minute prayer in the morning, I just want you to know God will not love you. Okay, I'm being sarcastic, right? Just in case someone's. <laughs> hey, how about this? I just want to be with the Lord. Put away the to do list, get rid of the check boxes. And let's just sit at the feet. And let's watch what comes out of that. Because as we sit at the feet, we will come to understand. It's also time to get up and walk. And we will do so delightfully, excitedly. Why? Because I am increasingly loving what he loves. More of that in me and you and us, right? Amen. Amen, dilly, dilly. The big hand finish with this, holding the little hand. And the little hand holding on to the big hand. Paul Tripp wrote the following this week. He said, I live in Philadelphia. and As you know, the Eagles are headed to the Super Bowl and we are all praying for them. That's not in there. (laughs) I live in Philadelphia. As you know, the Eagles are headed to the Super Bowl. After their last win, the city erupted in celebration, and the scene in my city reminded me of something I saw a few years ago. After a big sports win, I was in the middle of a huge and boisterous crowd. They were coming out of the stadium, celebratory grabbing, shoving, and high-fiving all over the place. And in the middle of the chaos of the crowd, there was this very little boy, just knee-high. You would think he would be terrified at this moment, aware of how small he was, but he wasn't. He walked with his head high and a big smile on his face. Why? Because he was with his dad. Wrapped around his little hand was this huge paw of a six foot four inch daddy. The son kept glancing up at the dad. And in return, he kept getting those looks of reassurance. And those looks of reassurance put a smile on the little boy's face. It's going to be okay. Trip finishes. I don't think a crowbar could have separated that little boy's hand from his father's. The little boy knew his limits and he knew where his security could be found. Surrounded by absolute chaos all around him, he was at rest. For his little hand was placed in the huge and capable hand of his Father. And so, Lord, much and more of that in us. God, the fact is, it is a doxology thing. And you have invited us to be with you Not to perform for you. Not to earn you. But relationship with you begins by grace. And it continues by grace. And yet, God, we are these busy little bees like Martha that think that there is so much to be done And we need to provide the right kind of thing for you so that you are comfortable and you won't leave. God, I just would ask, would you put a spirit within us at this point in time as we leave this building and go out of just calming and stopping all the noise that we put in ourselves? The rain's coming, the wind's blowing, the snow's falling, the hail is flying, and the lightning is shooting all around the branch. But the key part of the branch is right where it's connected to the vine. And what is going on right there at that connection point, that is the heart of the matter. And so God, for some in this room, we need to just stop and sit down and put our roots into you and just draw from you. Abide with you. Calm our hearts, Lord. You love us not because of performance. You love us because you love us. And it is out of that that we can love what you love and live for what you live for. So as we talk about walking for Christ, God, I actually pray that we would calm down our souls with you. In Christ's name we pray.